This is the Property Development Book Club podcast. Please be advised that the views expressed are of the individuals and do not represent their employers and should not be taken as advice. Please do your own research and seek advice from an appointed professional. Hello and welcome to the Property Development Book Club podcast. Today on this episode, we've got architect Christopher Adelaide. Hello and landscape architect Eleanor Trenfield joining us today to talk about their respective roles in the industry and how their roles feed into the development process. So first question, let's get an understanding of what landscape architects do versus what architects do. Fight. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll let you start. We never fight, do we, really? Is no, Chris and, I, yeah. <laughs> Chris and I go way back. So um, landscape architects design space. Um, we look at kind of bigger picture context, we look at the environmental impact, we work with nature and we try and connect people with places and connect people to nature. So we design country parks, um, anything that's kind of, anything that's not a building I would say. I usually say to students that that's what we design. Mm-hmm. Um, and Chris and I met studying architecture because I did a degree, a degree in architecture and then we did one module where we were focusing on landscape and thought, this is it, this is what I want to do. It's kind of like urban design, but, you know. So what was it specifically about landscape architecture that kind of just drew you in? I was very inspired by seasonality, how people use space as well, and how you can create kind of social connections externally. I think buildings can, can kind of exclude people in a way and I think landscape is something where everybody feels very included. Mm. Well, it's quite interesting isn't it because of course we design buildings but you know you always want your building to be within something that's also been designed and I think the connection between the landscape, um, the connection between the street, the connection between everything else that's not just the building is quite important mm-hmm. and when you've had a thought process I believe that uh, a, a, you know very good landscape architects such as Anna and her team do you know it connects before it's built so the architect has a connection to other buildings potentially or the parks or the the, the, the natural environment um, and it makes you think of the aspect for example where does your building focus on or where should your your gardens be and there's other things that I think the connection between having an early discussion between landscape and architecture can make a very good sense of space and place mm. yeah. and the- Oh yeah, and we, we can design the journey that to help, you know, really appreciate architects' yeah. buildings as well. So, you know, d- designing a, a really narrow, uninviting corridor versus designing something that's, you know, really monumental and really beautiful as you walk through will have very different effects as you get to the building and then step into that building. But often in the sort of regeneration development journey in space, you know, coming from my kind of development management background, the landscape architect doesn't always get to have that conversation with the architect that's kind of designing the new build scheme. Um, what, you know, for any developers listening out there, what, what would you suggest they kind of look to try and do to maybe bring that, com- like have that conversation much earlier on or maybe bring their consultants in the same room so that there's kind of continuity from, you know, when you're outside and you're in the landscape versus 
to when you actually go into the building that's been I, built. I mean, I won't, I, I, I'd like to put some positivity to this. I think there is more in today's world a thought process about that inclusivity between landscape architecture and architecture. Um, there's all, but the, the, the difference is, does it get de delivered? What's the first thing that goes? I don't know if, I'm not going to say it's landscape, but a lot of times you'll find that they need to put so much money in the building work and the uh, process and all that, that the end product yeah. in terms of the aspect where you put the you know the correct planting and all that I'll let Eleanor explain better than myself gets pulled out and you know it's like a fight to get that quality landscape within the build versus the building because people think like you need a place to live so forget about the rest of it but actually you need a place to live but the walk to the place you live is just as important that to me has always been an interest you know it, it's it's it, and I think the thought process the master planning the urban design nowadays is taking a lot more um, conscious decisions to put landscape first mm. design, I believe, and I'll let, again, I'll say Eleanor probably knows more than myself on this. I, I do smaller projects, but I think having a park, having a space that leads you to your home yeah. is so important. But you need to understand, does that soil work? And that's yeah. all those early things that you need to know is where the landscape element comes, I think, much more important in, in the process. And then the building can sit in, a, in this beautiful array of things that are going on that makes, like I say, the quality of living much higher. Well, what I've found is that, you know, we'll get that design process, you know, ahead of going to planning, we'll design this amazing scheme, we'll use great landscape architect, architects who design play space and equipment and all this kind of stuff. And then when it actually comes to delivery, it's usually the local authority that are like, health and safety, health and safety, health and safety, and start to just strip away a lot of the things that we've designed or been told that we need to design in. But then when it comes to actually operating so you'll have like the local authorities planning department saying yes we want more play space yes we want you know all these wonderful pieces of equipment then when it comes to actually taking it on the local authorities parks and management team are like mm. yeah none of that's going to pass the um, you know health and safety yeah. report <laughs> let's strip out that strip out that and then at the end of it it's well, what I'm finding is the developer that's like seen as the bad person because we've just delivered this awful scheme so I think like you can challenge challenge that because a lot of the time they're going by this tick box exercise someone's told them that it's not maintainable or something like that and so then that leads them to say you can't do it but but on a few projects we've challenged them and actually once you find out what's behind it you can really push and and change things so it's not always a black and white yeah decision there um, and the other thing just to just to um, just to jump in on that discussion earlier about what you know landscape and, and architecture working together quite a lot of projects were brought in really early and that's where the most successful projects are um, sometimes we're brought in before the architects because we're asked to do kind of landscape appraisals and we look at this is much bigger sites we're looking at like you know strategic urban extensions or something and um, we're asked to look at the site and kind of advise from a landscape and visual point of view what would be most appropriate, where we could look to mitigate and soften views, or where would be the most sensitive parts of the site. So we do a kind of analysis um, and then provide guidance and, and also take into account the ecology and the, you know, the, the natural, the, the kind of nature that is already existing on the site as well. You mentioned earlier the word inclusive. Um, how, how much does inclusion and the idea of inclusion come into the designs that you uh, deliver to your clients? Do you think it's something that's widely considered or do you think there, there needs to be a bit more done in terms of 
you know, designing space that are inclusive of all members of, of the community. Yeah, I think, well, this is a great, a great time to mention it because it's been International Women's Day yeah. um, and, you know, Women's Month. And one of the things that we're really interested in changing is this perception of um, how space is designed and how we're inc including girls. Um, I think there's a statistic out there that's quite shocking that says something like 40% of girls feel unsafe. You know, girls between the age of, age of 11 and 21 feel unsafe going outdoors. Now that, that's just shocking, isn't it? And um, I think looking at park spaces, girls feel quite alienated because parks are used in various ways by various kind of age groups and, and genders. Um, but, but, you know, sports provision, which is typically associated with park, you know, open space design uh, and play space is, is something that girls don't feel comfortable entering if there's already a group of boys there. Mm. And I'm not saying this, this is every girl, but this is generally what the, what the science and the studies are finding. And skate parks are also not really, you know, 90% of people who use skate parks are boys. Um, so why are we designing, the, you know, multi-use games areas and skate parks and why, why aren't we providing something else for girls as well? Mm. And so how does, how do you go about it? Is it? Is it? Do you think it's a process of consultation that maybe developers or whoever's kind of involved in the design process isn't doing enough consultation with the sort of girls in the locations that they're they're developing in? Do you think if they if there was more kind of focused consultation to understand what they want from the spaces that they are, you know, playing in or or, or spending time in? Do you think that would sort of improve? Maybe possibly yes. Yes, I think that's a really good point. And the other thing that we, we find is difficult is that there's already policy in place. So local authorities set policies based on guidance. And um, if that guidance doesn't include girls, the policy won't include girls. If you're, you have to be compliant to policy, yeah. um, and that's where the, the difficulty comes. That's a, that's a, a so, word, isn't it? The gui guidance, guidance, guidance. I mean, guidance should be held to the same thing as what it is. It's guidance. Yeah. Um, and I think sometimes, even as architects, we look at all the guidance given because we can put, bring in fire, we can bring in um, all these other things. But if there's something wrong, they should be able to kind of go, look, this guidance is not clearly working for our area. Um, we've got a, a, an issue where the parks are not working. We're seeing a, a lower level of, of young ladies, women, girls, whatever, not being able to utilize the parks because they feel unsafe. What's the issue? Is it lighting? Is it is it the conditions? Is it the fact that they don't feel comfortable? Boys are playing football and they don't get to play football. And and you know, I think consultation becomes an important part of the play, but I think things that take away that fear and open up the space, which I think is a is a thought process. And it is architectural as much as it is landscape, because then you could create something that invites other people. You don't all have to go and play football. You don't all have to go and, you know, do this, that, the other. You might just want to be sitting in the park and you don't have enough tables mm -hmm. to be able to spend time with your friends. And that's the simplest thing. I mean, this happens on main roads or yeah. uh, other spaces where you all want to go to lunch to different places, but there's not a seats out mm -hmm. the seats outside for you all to be able to go and eat together. You yeah. all have to go to one space or there isn't at all. So you don't have that comfort. You just see the street as being this place you walk up and down. Actually, the street is somewhere to view, to interact, to communicate. You know, all these things can happen if we have the simplest th thing as having a few seats around. Yeah. But also, I think 
you know, you create things for people to be able to make their own decisions, you know, and I think Ian Bowden writes a lot about, you, you spoke about skateboarding, um, where if we give somebody a side of something to skate on and just leave it, you'll find out they, they'll make their own route. Mm. Um, whereas if you put pebbles, you're telling them to stop, don't do that. And then suddenly you're creating spaces that you're telling people you're not allowed actually to be here. So be it young ladies or young men, if you're giving a space and you're not allowing young people to be there, they will start to make it a troublesome space, I think. I've, you know, you've seen it where concrete creates concrete, you know. Give somebody some wild or some space to sit, they suddenly change their mindset, I think. is It's because you're allowing them to make that space their own. Mm. So. Hi, my name's Christopher Adelaide, and welcome to the Property Development Book Club podcast. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Hello, my name is Eleanor Trenfield. Welcome to the Property Development Book Club podcast. Please don't forget to like, share and subscribe. Hi, I'm Faith Lochkin, founder and CEO of We Rise In. We are a business whose mission is to inspire, elevate and develop the careers of mid to senior level black professionals. We're keen to connect with individuals who identify as black professionals so we can support you in getting to levels of seniority within your career. And we're also keen to speak to corporate companies who are looking to uh, better and improve their diversity, equity and inclusion agenda via our workshops um, and programmes. We're a proud sponsor of the second half of season two of the Property Development Book Club podcast. Um, yeah. So just on that point, do you think there's, or maybe this already exists, you know, are, <clears throat> are local authorities kind of l looking at the spaces that currently are there and, and coming to you and saying, actually, we recognise that this space that was delivered 20 years ago is no longer fit for purpose, you know, can you look at the, at how you can kind of modernise it and bring sort of that modern landscape architecture into play? Because I'm just, something you said there about, you know, if you put a, you know, a route people will probably take different routes. And you see it often like when there's like a big, I don't know, like there's they'll a path the and they'll walk well, through the grass the and then, they the yeah, they get, get the easiest route. And I just wonder if there's cases where you kind of retrospectively go back to a space and just redesign it um, to be fit for purpose as, as how people are using it now. Do you have any examples? Yeah, I think designers, we ultimately want to be sensitive and thoughtful and respond to what people want. And I think the public consultation is so important. Um, we, you know, we're always looking out for tenders, for opportunities to put in a tender for um, a, a park project. And we actually put one in working with Make Space for Girls a couple of years ago on a, on a park space. Unfortunately, we didn't get it, but, but you know, we, we put together a really sound bid to say, it's not okay to just create a park space that doesn't include, is not inclusive to girls. So, yeah. but it's interesting. Sorry, you bring the, we're like ants, aren't we? Once <laughs> we found, we've found a route. We're like, we want to follow it. We change it. And I think that the idea of you know communicating with people because sometimes the problem with development uh, is it's money, right? So mm. it's that money has to be spent in this way, and we can't go away from this this you know controlled rule book mm. that we want to get our planning we want to be able to build in the next six months whatever so if we veer off and there's these rules we've got to keep to these rules so i think if there's more of a consultation element where people get a chance to so if something does go wrong array they're aware because they were part of the process mm. and that change can happen because you know we we have a sense of control don't we because we're drawing it at a one to 100 or one to 1250 it's people live at one to one you know and uh, the aspect of perception uh, per, uh, sorry of perspective is different to us looking at a, a, a plan and an elevation so 
I think even if errors are made, it's a good thing to then be able to update those errors to match the people who live there. Because mm -hmm. it's, you know, and that includes, like you're saying, if girls not getting that ability to, to, to have the space they need, then, you know, move things around, put some seating. I mean, it's like probably not, I talk about seating because we all need to stop, but yeah. it's like, that, co that causes a completely different change of, of atmosphere. Yeah. And lighting, low lighting, high lighting, strong light. Lighting's so important because in this country, between the summer and the winter, light periods change. And that's a different time that you'll want to walk home. But if you've got good lighting that, 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 that um, lights up walkways, you'll find people will stick to the walkways usually because they can see, you know, they can see where they're going, they can see the direction. So I think, you know, early co collaboration with the people who are going to live there or actually people who live there already. Yeah. And this includes buildings as well as, um, there's going to be a whole retrofit exercise, there's going to be all these things. It'll be important if we change a building that whatever we put in front of it, all the things, they, they re reflect the change. It's not just going to be this stubborn, kind of retrofit idea, uh, but the landscaping is just going to be the same old thing. You know, I think if we play around, put some seating on the street, put some wild flowering and things like it just it's going to make a completely, it will take our minds away from the fact that we've had to put insulation on a building and slightly change the building for, for the purposes of, of net zero and the future and the energy crisis that we're living in. And it works with a different thought process as to what happens in front of our buildings or around our buildings. So mm. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, Elena. No, I was really, lot, no, you have, <laughs> no, but it's, re it's really, really good. And I love how passionately you're talking about sort of the outside space when you're actually, your type of architecture is very much looking at buildings rather than space. But it's good to know that, you know, you've got that in I, your mind I, I when you are say designing. In five years time, you'll rip out a kitchen. In five years' time, you'll rip, rip out a bathroom. In five years' time, your family would have grown. You want to take a wall out. You want to put a wall in. But that building externally has to stand, stand, the, the, yeah, stand the test of time and respect its neighbours and respect the, the street. Um, and, yeah, so it's, it's quite important the two play together. And we always say that the building looks great on, at day one, <laughs> but a land, you know, <laughs> landscape only gets better. Yeah. Ooh, over, yeah, over the years. Wow, yeah. okay. Uh. <laughs> this is fighting talk. <laughs> um, so just looking to, to the future, looking ahead, um, what, where do you see your respective roles within the industry progressing? Do you see kind of any sort of innovation, um, whether that's with, in relation to maybe technology that's be coming in, that's helping you do your job better, or just in general, maybe it's policy changes? Is there anything that you're already seeing that you think will... Uh, will only kind of improve or get more over as, as time goes on. I think something that's really exciting that is happening um, now and will get more stringent is biodiversity net gain. So it's about development, but improving the nature that is on the site at the same time. So um, at the moment, it's 10%. So whatever development you do, you actually have to put ten, an additional 10% of nature improvement back. And I think it's a wonderful opportunity for all of us, for everybody who's going to live there as well, um, because we really want to connect people to nature. There's so many studies that show the benefits of like accessing nature and, and emotionally connecting to nature. Um, and to, you know, to actually enhance sites um, is just you know, such a great 
such a great opportunity. And, and as landscape architects, we can fit all those moving parts together and create a place that people will love as well. So ecologists will you know, help us with all the, the numbers and the statistics and, and what we need to work with. And then we kind of fit, you know, we, we kind of piece the puzzle together with all the other consultants and all the other requirements like you know, sustainable drainage and transport issues and noise and and wind wind tunnel effects and all those things. We kind of I love our profession because we we are kind of piecing everything together to create this wonderful place. Yeah. Well, I think we need to consider that there is a big push because of the concerns we have with existing buildings. The existing buildings are not fit for purpose and the amount of energy usage is huge so there's going to be a push towards retrofit i want to say repurposing instead of like just retrofit and putting stuff onto buildings but rethinking how these buildings work um but a lot of it is also to do with some of this stock has been just forgotten and the forgotten piece is the access to um, and if those spaces the in-between spaces the around spaces and then the building as well all are thought together you know, the, 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 you know the, as we think of, of, of new technologies that we're able, because we're going to have SOS heat pumps, for example, where do you put this, this, mm. this thing that's <laughs> like a machine that's come out from, and that's not going to look great running down the street, but if you build something around it, which, you know, maybe has a green roof box or something, which suddenly brings it into the natural feel, then machine can live quite well mm. <laughs> next to uh, organized landscape or kind of friendly landscaping, um, as well as friendly uh, kind of connections to the buildings that we're trying to upgrade. Um, because it's gonna, it's gonna be the biggest conversation, I think, in the next few years of how we're gonna do this without necessarily disturbing the buildings as we like it. Because there are some landscaped areas which we love because you know they've been, people care for them. But unfortunately, the other side of it is these buildings, the energy consumption and the way they've been designed does not, is not fit for the, the future purpose of living. So it's a big conversation, but if we plan it and we, we think about it and we, we work together, I think the idea of working apart, landscape's done and then somebody comes and does the buildings is, is, is something of, of, of yesterday and also not including residents who live in the area to say, we are coming here, we have to do this. How do we do it? And here, you know, put your conversation in. I hope it's not gonna be fully negative because a lot of people don't want anything done. You know, we're gonna need new housing, we're gonna need, but the old housing stock also needs to be looked at. Mm. Um, but also if we are doing new housing, how do we introduce, you know, well thought out connections? Because it's not just, it's like a lot of housing developments are basically led by the road instead of led by you know, the other things that make people happy. Mm -hmm. So you walk out and you're straight onto a concrete or, you know, whatever, uh, uh, sorry, tarmac road surface, where maybe you could walk to park and then your car's parked a few meters. We do need cars, unfortunately, it's the way we live. We live in faraway places, but a lot of other areas, people are not leaving home. We're working from home more mm -hmm. often. So we need to consider, you know, those aspects. And, th and that's a good, really good yeah. point because Again, it's policy that leads some of these decisions, maybe not in central London, but outside. I know that there's policies in areas that we work where you need two parking bays per house, per house yeah. and you can't include the garage because people use that as storage. Mm. So then you've got, you've got the garage and parking bays yeah. and the whole place just becomes a car park. Yeah. And it's really hard to push back at that. Because well, it's unless we think of new systems like yeah. shared 
car yeah. ownership. Yeah. And what that also does with a crisis of living that we keep it, you don't have to pay for um, uh, having to have a license, not licenses, sorry, road tax in this. It's all inclusive. Mm. You pay for the time that you use. We share the car. And why not? What's, what's the difference? Half the time it's sitting on the drive. I think drive. that's coming. It's like, it, you know. but I think consumers are going to have to push that because yeah. the, the the policies are quite behind yeah. from that point of and view. And your car gets cleaned by somebody else. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, if you can put those little bits, those fun bits, that like you have, oh, I've got to clean the car this weekend. It's cleaned, it comes, if there's a problem, you press a button, somebody comes in and sorts it out. But then you've got less cars yeah. or shared. You know, yeah. like, why yeah. can't, you know, Thank you. Okay. Uh, well, <laughs> no, great conversation. I mean, I feel like we could talk about the future forever. Um, well, the future's now. <laughs> the it's future like, is now. Like, the future is now. <laughs> Thank you both so much uh, for your time today and yep. for learning a bit more. I feel I know a lot more about landscape architecture for sure. Um, and I'm looking forward to uh, more collaborations, more, more collaborations, yes. more inclusive designs, yes. um, and just yeah, seeing your respective fields um, change as as you know as the future as yeah. progression. Yeah. So thank you very much for listening to today's episode of the Property Development Book Club podcast. Make sure to like, share and subscribe. This is the Property Development Book Club podcast. Please be advised that the views expressed are of the individuals and do not represent their employers and should not be taken as advice. Please do your own research and seek advice from an appointed professional.